0: I'm Jake Ellis, joined with Jacob Nielsen for the Aggie Sports Radio Show, of course presented by the Utah Statesman. And we have some big news this week. I'm sure you've already heard it, but John Hartwell, the athletic director of Utah State, announced he was going to resign just yesterday. And uh, we, have, we have lots of news to talk about with that. So, Jacob, what was your first reaction to that news?
1: Oh, sorry. I was just uh, watching some Phillies highlights. <laughs> the Bryce Harper bomb last night.
0: Dude, McCullers is uh, struggling there.
1: Yo, hey, they totally got him in his head. Lance McCullers for the Astros, that's a dude that uh, doesn't play around in the playoffs, and they totally uh, totally got him on his heels. Bryce Harper comes up, first pitch that he sees at home in the World Series, bashes to right field, they win that game 7-0. So, sorry, that's, what, that's where my head is a little bit, is World Series, but that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> Wild news from Utah State. Super wild. Yesterday, we wake up. Did you expect this news? I didn't. I I didn't. Do you know who did though? Hmm. USU fans. Okay. The the message board. Really? I was looking at it. The message board knew. I there was a message the community message board. I was looking at it the night before, and there were a bunch of whispers about Hartwell. There's gonna be news tomorrow, and I I hadn't heard anything, but sure enough, there was. So, um, yeah wild stuff, you know, 7 years at the helm John Hartwell.
0: Yeah, it's um it's a big change. He's going to be moving to the south. He said um his, his wife's parents are getting up there and decided he needed to take the time to take care of them. That's what he said publicly and um that's uh that's his reasoning for leaving and in, in the meantime Utah State has named Jerry Bovi as the interim athletic director and um, I think most of our audience knows what uh, Jerry did down at Weber State, but tell us why you know he might be the, the right man for the job going into the future.
1: Yeah, so Jerry Bovee, named interim athletic director today. Um, he's a guy that has been at the program for four years. You alluded at Weber State 10 years prior to that. Here's the thing is he's a Utah native. He's an Aggies alum. And he's somebody that just really understands Cache Valley, understands Utah State. Um, and Because, you know, most of John Hartwell was an outsider, obviously. And, I mean, he quickly under- learned the culture and the, the values of this place and tried to work with that. But some having a true-blooded Aggie in there, I'd imagine that fans would get excited about that, that one of their own is, would be the guy in charge. Right. And so he'll definitely be amongst the, the leaders for a candidate or for who's going to be the next athletic director. Right. And I, I would say something that Jerry Bovey has is I think he his likability is pretty good. I think that he's somebody who gets along well with donors and stuff. He's somebody who headed a lot of things that we were state to really get their program going. And now the Aggies Unlimited think he was a big part of creating that at the university. So it, it would make sense just based off of his track record and what he's already done for Northern Utah and for the Utah State that he would be the guy to lead the Aggies going forward. But what what we've heard is it's going to be a national search. Noel Cockett and the board, whoever's involved in the hiring decision for the athletic director, they're going to search far and wide. There's going to be plenty of options plenty of eyeballs, different places. So it's not like Jerry Bovey's got this job locked up or anything.
0: Yeah. And do you think that might be a little frustrating to some Aggie fans? I mean, it's almost a flashback to, you know, two seasons ago when Gary Anderson resigned and, you know, a lot of people felt like we, they, the Aggies had a replacement, you know, right there in, in, in their program already in Frank Miley that, you know, is someone that they thought could lead the team and take over but they did the national search. They got Blake Anderson, who you know ended up being a great hire for winning the Mountain West Championship, of course. But um, do you think we might see something similar there? I, I see what your comparison
1: is between Frank Miley and Gary Anderson. I think this this is a little bit different because with Jerry Bovey and his respective role, Frank Miley at the time, he was a longtime coach in the program. And potentially, yes, he could have been a head coach candidate, but he was the defensive line coach. He didn't have any head coaching experience. Jerry Bovey... Has a decade of Division One athletic director experience, and then he was the deputy athletic director. So he was Hartwell's right hand man. So that's that's a different story when we're talking how qualified is this individual. I think that Bovi yeah. is very qualified. Um, but you know the whole the whole thing is interesting. Um, I I don't get a sense that people are bitter with John Hartwell at all. Um, it seems like that we've had conversations before we're in it. It seems like. His, his tenor has, I don't want to say run its course, but I, I was not surprised, right? No. We know that he has applied for other jobs. Yeah, the one, the one job that I know I can speak about on air that he's applied for, because it's very public, is the Auburn job, right? Yeah. And he thought that he perhaps had a shoe in to get that job, and that's not how it worked out for him. And it, there is something, though, about if you set your mind to something, like John Hartwell saying, thinking, oh, maybe I'm going to go to Auburn, right? Alabama native. And then you don't get that job. It's hard to, you know, just pick up where you left, right? Like if it's hard for him, if mentally he's already checked out of Utah State and then he doesn't get the job, it's not super, super easy in that position to check right back in, especially also with all the people around him, if everyone in the athletic department thought that he was leaving for auburn and now all of a sudden just kidding he's still around maybe they've checked out from him as well so perhaps timing wise that's that's just the thought that i had
0: yeah i know it, it definitely uh probably difficult for him to to you know basically obviously they haven't announced officially they're going to hire but it's been leaked that auburn is going to go another direction um but yeah it just seemed like he's just ready to move on whether that you know is is going to continue, you know, being an AD, trying to lead a school somewhere, or if he's able to, you know, be a right-hand man for someone in an SEC school or whatever. I, I don't think he's done yet. Um, I think he uh, definitely loves being an AD. I just think that it was his time to move on from Utah and his family's time.
1: Yeah. Um. We do have to talk about it, yeah. right? The, the timing of this all is interesting, right? Yeah. Because of...
0: It's a little... It's a little suspicious, I'd say.
1: Just yeah. with all the other news going on in the program, so all the things we might have said could be truthful, but you, you always got to wonder with all the other things going on. And so I just want to address really quickly what's going on with the football program, and we're just, we're just going to chat about it just for a moment. But news broke last week that former Utah State player Patrick Maddox is suing Blake Anderson and the university. And he, he claims that he suffered retaliation from coaches and teammates after he distributed a recording of a team meeting that, quote, highlighted the problematic manner in which USU handles conversations about sexual harassment and assault, end quote, according to the court documents. So that's something that is a new issue, right? That is pretty intense allegations coming from Patrick Maddox, right? And this is something that could shake up the football program in terms of distractions, in terms of the legal implications. So we can't really speak on any of the specific specifics of it. Cause we don't, we don't know things. No. Right. But that is something that's something that's hanging over the, hanging over the program right now a little bit. So that happening and then Hartwell c- resigning a couple of days later, objectively, the timing's a little bit weird. Yeah. The two things could be unrelated they could be related we don't know
0: yeah publicly saying not related at all uh but like you said that that timing is weird um and it's just a little different from what we saw you know when the first part of this story of of sexual assault in the football program um came out under blake anderson's tenure when you know the the former police chief here at utah state said some things in the locker room in that recording that that maddox released um Uh, Things like that, you know, like there was a lot of support, like pretty much immediately from the university and from from Hartwell, I'd say, you know, about that. And I just don't know if I've seen that just yet from uh, for this, you know, this this new allegation and not necessarily that they have to handle it the same way. They're very different things. They're related. But, you know, you know, a retaliation, whereas, you know, a toxic culture, they're kind of they're related, but it's different. Right. So. We'll, we'll just have to see what happens there. Obviously, you know, they're not suspending Blake Anderson, though, or anything. He's continuing to do everything. He's going to be on the coach's show later tonight on Aggie Radio. So,
1: Yeah, and, I mean, he spoke in the, the Monday press conference, right? And it's it's business as usual. And somebody asked him in that press conference, I don't think you have this clip pulled up, but somebody asked him in the press conference, hey, how big of a distraction is this? Is this one of the tougher things that you've had to deal with in your career, I guess? um the these allegations and he said yeah he's like you know i've been a head coach for a while and this is just paraphrasing what he said obviously but he was like i this is probably the toughest thing that i've had to deal with right so he's he wasn't publicly in that moment defending himself or anything like that but he was acknowledging the situation and saying yeah he was pretty much like yeah this is uh this is tough to try to coach a football team and deal with this lawsuit. That is a, a very tough thing. And then I'm sure that losing the athletic director, the dude that's your boss that hired you, that only amplifies those distractions.
0: Yeah. Plus, it's it's just been a tough year for Anderson already. You know, he loses his son. He, you know, is still kind of you know I'm sure he's a little more adjusted to the Cache Valley now, but he, he just got here. You know, he's from from the South. It's not it's not his place. And so, having a lot of changes in a new place that you were maybe just starting to get accustomed to. Um, is definitely a distraction uh but you know it seems like the way he was talking at the press conference that he feels like he's locked in and that he's ready to lead this team um you know he didn't mention anything about feeling like he needed to step back or anything
1: yeah it's it's been a whirlwind from the moment Blake Anderson stepped into Cash Valley right because the team in that late 2020 they were boycotting the Colorado State game because they were upset with the hiring situation and how Frank Miley didn't get hired there's been whirlwinds after whirlwinds around the football program since then and I mean it's it's interesting and we, whether what your opinion is about Blake Anderson it's something that he has I think handled with class right and I think it's something that um, the student athletes have done a good job of just doing just doing their part right and doing their thing you know I think that the just the Just the mindset and the work ethic of football players, especially guys that have been here a while that have been here since the Gary Anderson drama and through the hiring situation and with all this new stuff. Credit to the players for um, just, you know, going about their business and continuing to try to do their thing and fulfill their scholarship and all that. And I mean, that's something we're going to see more of this week because amidst all this, guess, guess what's happening on Saturday? Got a game. There's a there's a football game, New Mexico. The Lobos come to town. So, and we'll we'll talk more about that game specifically. But yeah, just a lot going on off the field, which we don't love. We don't love talking about off the field stuff, you know, because we're sports junkies. We want to we want to talk about Bryce Harper and home runs. That's <laughs> that's all I want to talk about, really. But this is stuff that matters. Stuff that's, that's directly that's impacting important. the program, and yeah. it's got to be addressed.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And it's uh it. You never want to see it as a you know a fan or someone that is you know affected by a team like this where um, like you said you just want to lock in you want to vie for these guys to try and repeat as conference champions obviously not looking too hot now but now it's the focus is on bowl eligibility and like I said we'll talk about it more but yeah it's a it's a tough time to be an Aggie football fan for sure um, lots lots of question marks in the in the sky and really the only answer is going to come on the gridiron on Saturday so. Let's go ahead and uh, take our first clip from this press conference. I don't know if you heard this one. Um, I know that you uh, sometimes when they they switch up the time of the press conference, you can't always get there um, due to other obligations. But uh, do you know which clip I'm referring to? I do not. Okay. All right. Let me pull it up. I'm right about there. Just bear with me one more second. Okay. Here
2: it is. We went from watching the uh, soccer team finishing up with, with penalty kicks. Uh, we were able to watch every bit of that, which was, I think I was more nervous watching that than I am uh, coaching my own guys. Uh, loved our energy in the room, how excited our kids were for them.
0: Blake Anderson talking about Utah State soccer. They said they watched that that um, first round tournament uh, fixture between Utah State and San Diego State. and. Like you said, went to PKs, went to uh, 22 shots from the mark actually for both schools, and uh, you know that that final no 19 to 18 Aggies uh, fall to San Diego State in that first round victory. Were you able to watch that game or see the highlights? Yeah, so uh,
1: or, you know I have a have a confession to make. I in fact was watching the game. I was watching the second half Sunday afternoon. I was watching on my computer in the library. None of that matters. But, you know, homework, <laughs> homework, and then on the other side, some, some Aggie soccer. But here's the problem with soccer. It's when no one scores, the game just keeps going. Mm-hmm. It went into the second period, and I stuck around for the second overtime. But then once it got to the – once it, no, I stuck around for the first overtime. Then they take another timeout before they go to the second overtime, and I got restless. I, <laughs> I admit it. I admit it. I had watched enough soccer, nothing had happened. And I probably should have stuck around because I knew the PKs were going to be intense. But uh, my my intention span waned in that moment, and I and I shut it off and focused solely on my studies. Only to find out, a little bit while later, that I had missed one of the craziest endings to a soccer game and probably to a, a season.
0: Yeah. No, it's, like I said, I, I don't know if I explained it too well coming into this, but... Um, so both teams, scoreless through the first 90 minutes right they go to extra time they got two 10 minute halves still can't score and and by the way in that regulation time period both teams got separate pks on fouls called in the box and they were both saved by uh, Aleximo Dueno for the aztecs and of course Dierra the wall walton um for utah state
1: i've never heard that one oh you haven't the wall Walton. <laughs> i love that that's great yeah I should have been using that her whole career. Yeah, you should have been. Why does not you tip me off? Oh, she back. does? Okay, perfect.
0: Oh, well, she's a senior, but I, I talked to her. And she's like, yeah, I'm coming back. So she's uh, already yeah, pretty, pretty certain on that. Um, and anyway, so they go to the marks, right? And if you don't know how soccer works, right, uh, you know, each team gets five chances at first. Um, so if you do miss like the first one or whatever, you, you still are in it for a little bit. And if it's still even make wise after five, then it's sudden death and, You know, it's just if someone makes it and someone gets a stop, right, or misses in that same stretch on that same fixture. So they go nine consecutive makes, so 18 goals, nine for each team with no misses. And then there was some saves, and they got called back on both goalkeepers and and ones that would have won their team the game. And then it finally goes, we're in the 22nd round. This is the second time for every player to have taken a shot, right? There's 11 players on the soccer team, right? And it cycles through the order, right? And so this is the second take of... Everyone has had a second take. And then that final one, Madueno able to save it and advance the Aztecs through the tourney. But like you said, ends Utah State's season quite dramatically. Um, And a really, you know, a, a bitter pill to swallow, I'd imagine. It's a... I don't know. PKs are just tough because they're not... They're not the normal ending, you know. You don't feel like they bested you in a regular game of soccer, right? That's why some people advocate for golden goal rules and stuff like that.
1: Well, I mean, in games like this, if there was no PKs, if they were just going to do golden goals, it <laughs> might have never ended. They still <laughs> yeah, might no, be playing. right, you're right. Because the, the teams <laughs> played the week before and it was 0-0 too. So I think this is kind of a it's kind of a fitting end of the season for Utah State soccer, if I'm going to be blunt, because that's been their issue all season yeah they can't score goals they can in stretches but they tie a lot they tie a lot they did not lose one game this season by more than one goal right so they were in every single game that they played this season they had the talent to compete in the conference they did not have enough offensive firepower and we see that against the Aztecs they had their opportunities to to your point they had a PK in the second half that was not kicked very well when you have those no, open ones, you know. Yeah. When you have give and you can't put them in, you don't deserve to win. So I mean, it's disappointing. That's a brutal way to go down in twenty. What? What was it? Twenty two. Yeah. PKs. Mm-hmm. But I mean, at some point, dude, it's the playoffs, man. You gotta get that ball <laughs> in the back to of the net. Up. Yeah. yeah, and they did it, and their season's over. So, yeah, they gotta. That's something they gotta focus on going into next year. Is K? Okay, how can uh, we got a good team? Right, really strong defensively. They play. It's a team that plays really, really hard. They're fun to watch. Yeah, but we got to get some people that can score on a consistent basis, or develop that with some of the youngsters that have showed well this year.
0: For sure, uh, you know Kaylee Chambers, freshman, played super well. Uh, Mackenzie Huntinghake, who's you know second on the death chart, goalkeeper wise, like super great. You know when when De'Ara was dealing with injuries, so we'll kind of see what a uh, USU will do in the future but they they have a lot of great players coming back the main loss is going to be sammy murdoch and sarah taylor some some great goal scorers but um you know it's just next next woman up right so we'll see what they can do next season um i think that one's going to sting though so we'll see if it can motivate them for the next year
1: kaylee chambers she was second team all mount west was yes, she not? yeah as a she freshman was. yeah yeah that's showing out that's mm-hmm. big time
0: it's big so midfielder um Super powerful for how small she is, and kind of surprises uh, opponents with that. But uh, we're gonna take a break. We'll be right back. Uh, Stick around. We got some great segments coming up. We have an update on Aggie volleyball, and then we're gonna name our first three priorities. If we were named the new AD, I know my phone's been, you know, lighting up Noel Cockett trying to schedule an interview with me uh, for that. But then we'll we'll talk about some hoops. Uh, Obviously, Monday the November 7th back in the spectrum both teams get their first official games on the record so we'll be right back on Aggie Radio.
2: Aggie fans this broadcast is brought to you by Aggie Radio 92.3 KBLU and Everlight Solar. Everlight Solar serves communities throughout Utah and help local homeowners go solar. More information is available at everlightsolar.com. In
1: 1979 Larry H. Miller opened his first dealership in Utah, though for years he'd worked in other places. He chose to open here because he loved this state. He valued what Utah's people value, integrity, hard work, and the desire to enrich the lives of others. And today, those values continue to drive us forward in business, in our communities, in life. The Larry H. Miller family of dealerships, driven by a love for Utah, driven by you. Programming on Aggie Radio is made possible in part by our members in the Utah Division of State History looking to guide its future. To assist them in their goals, they have a short survey that all Utah residents can take. More details at history.utah.gov.
2: Hello Aggies, this is Blair Barfus, your Chief of Police at Utah State University. You're listening to... Aggies in Utah, show your love for USU while contributing to student scholarships with the Aggie license plate. 100% of your $25 annual contribution goes directly toward student scholarships. Give the gift of education and ride with Aggie pride. Visit usu.edu slash
1: plate for more info and go Aggies. Welcome back to Aggie Radio, ninety two three KBLU LP Logan. This is Jacob Nielsen, alongside me, sports editor of the Utah Statesman, Jake Ellis. And this is the Aggie Radio Sports Show. Or is it sports, Aggie Sports Radio Show? Which one I is it? I think it's Aggie Radio Sports Oh, Show. So I, I said it right. I think we've it
0: all the way. <laughs> I think we said it a few different ways. Of course, presented by the Utah Statesman. Um, and let's go ahead and talk some Aggie volleyball.
1: Yeah, so um, Utah State volleyball, they had a... They had a, a good week last week, I will say. That is the word I will use. It was good. Okay. It could have been phenomenal. Not quite. They weren't able to make it that. But they had two games They had, when they went on the road to Boise, and then they hosted um, UNLV, who leads the league. And so the first one, they took care of business in Boise. They defeated Boise State, I think, three sets to one, I believe. And then they had a, you know, the... We were talking about last week the post Hal hangover. It's Showtime in Club Estes Saturday afternoon against UNLV. They took the Rebels, who are 11-1 in conference. They gave, it, gave them everything they could handle, but it went to the fifth set and uh, went late into the fifth set too. Yeah, it was it was a wild, wild game. UNLV pulled it out. Yeah, he's lost. So unfortunate result. I think that's probably one they uh, they wish they could have back.
0: Oh, for sure. It was such a tough one. I mean the sets they won they won by a good margin you know 10 points but uh you know give or take but they just couldn't pull it off in the close ones the ones that UNLV won were all within you know like 3 or 4 points uh with the Aggies right there and a lot of them were just that two point minimum for the win so it it'll be one like the one down in Vegas where they're kind of kicking themselves and and wishing they could have brought down the Rebels because they've shown that they're capable of it but they just couldn't pull it off
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, because UNLV, they win the first set 26-24. And then Aggies sweep the floor with them second the second set 25-15, mm-hmm. then 25-18. So you just outscored them by a combined 17 points in those two sets. And then UNLV rallies the fourth set, 26-24. And then I, I guess they, they ran out of juice for the fifth set. The Aggies did 15-8 for UNLV. So credit the Rebels. Good teams find a way to win. Yeah. And Utah State's been on the other end of these games. You know, really, they rallied against some games, such as the, the Air Force game and stuff. But a uh, disappointing um, result for sure, especially because USU had 88 total points on the day. UNLV had 73. Utah State had 72 kills versus 60 kills from UNLV. So, I mean, you look at just the stats, seven aces versus two aces from UNLV. Just a lot of the stats, it's like, man, like, the Aggies... Kind of outplayed them. They outplayed the best team in the league, and they couldn't get the win, so too bad.
0: Yeah, it, it's going to be a tough one. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, wh- what they'll be facing this week.
1: Yeah, so this week uh, they, they get a little uh, California sunshine. <laughs> they, they picked a good week. I mean, it's not going to get any nicer up here
0: no, it's, going forward. Uh, but It's wintertime.
1: It's wintertime in Logan. It's the, the calendar turn in November. It's cold outside.
0: Yeah, I mean, at least we, we didn't have snow this morning. Uh, which I, it seems like the the Wasatch Front got hit with some snow. But up here, it's just raining. I don't know, bro. Have you seen the mountains up here, dog? Well, yeah, I'm talking about the streets, man. That's okay. where I Oh, okay. That's the streets of uh, Logan.
1: <laughs> That's right. That's right. You belong to the streets, yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah. No, but, I mean, a little side note, but that was low-key. One of my running theories about John, Hart- John Hartwell resigning I is. I saw that. <laughs> well, wait, can you blame the man? No, I He's wouldn't. from the south. He's like, man, I've had to deal with seven of these Logan Winters, he he doesn't get the Auburn job. Disappointing. He checks the weather app. It's just going to snow and rain and 40 degrees, 30 20 degrees the next week and he's like, "Oh boy. I got to deal with this till April?" No, no, no. We're packing up. We're getting down <laughs> south. We're going to go where it's warm. I mean, you can't really blame the guy in that um, regard. But anyways, what were we talking about? Utah State volleyball?
0: Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so they they get the sunshine. They get to go to California. First off first off the Valley, which when you think of California you don't think of the Fresno no, Valley. I think but you'd rather stay in Cache Valley than yeah, probably. Fresno, but But they go to the Valley, take on the Fresno State Bulldogs on November third, which is Thursday, which is tomorrow. And then they play San Diego State in San Diego, that's a nice place. On Saturday. And so uh two I every I mean every game at this point, where the Aggies are in the standings, they're seven and five, they're fourth in the conference, right? Um they're three games back from San Jose State for third place, but there are a lot of teams behind them knocking on the door. Boise and Wyoming are both at six and six. So to keep that fourth spot in the standings, they gotta keep winning games. And especially Fresno State's 0 twelve. You gotta take care of business against them and then San Diego State. We've talked about this on the show before. How on earth are they not good to that <laughs> volleyball? Yeah. They're four and eight in conference, six and seventeen on the year. If I was good at volleyball, they'd be I'd be like UCLA, San Diego State, USC. That's my, that's my top three. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I, I think that's a no brainer. So, whatever, there's some sort of dysfunction going down in San Diego. There has to be.
0: Yeah.
1: Because how on earth can you not have a good volleyball team when you're San Diego State, for Pete's sakes?
0: No, I, no idea. And I don't, I mean, Fort Collins is a nice place to play volleyball, too. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a little
1: colder. You took a visit to Fort Collins, you know.
0: Well, they they play in the basketball arena, and they they fill it up a lot. So the Moby Dick Arena, they, they got a lot of well, Moby. <laughs> no whale. We we discussed this last week. I think. They they have a giant whale, on in the arena. Don't do they not? I mean, I wasn't able to go inside, but oh. I don't know. They just they that have a big ram names. statue. Oh, it's now. a ram. That's not a whale. It's a ram. I'm both white, I guess. So I'll, I'll let you slide on this time. Ah, but, okay. but oh, yeah. that that's two strikes. So you know. Moby dick three times I, I don't know <laughs> um, so now uh now I'd like to ask you um if you've been you know getting hit up as much as I have from Noel Cockett about uh if if I want to be the a d have you, have you been getting those calls or
1: um you know, I just my phone
0: just won't turn off right <laughs> like i I'm just like the
1: hottest commodity besides you, yeah, in the valley, in the nation to be the new athletic director and i I had to re- respectfully decline because I said president Cockett. I haven't even graduated yet, <laughs> you right. already
0: declined though you didn't even entertain it a little bit yeah I mean
1: i I wanted to, but I got to think about my future, you know, okay, I got things to do, places to be
0: sure i can't I
1: can't take on the burden of an entire athletic department at this yeah. point in my life,
0: okay, but let's just say that that you you chose to or maybe a uh, you know gun to your head, you had to, so oh, that escalated, did, yeah, that did escalate <laughs> but. Let's What are your three priorities? We can go back and forth. What would the first three things you would do, Utah State, money is not really a problem. Obviously, you know, keep it, like, realistic, you know. But, like, don't, don't think about the super hard, you know, niche things. But what would you do to improve USU athletics, do you think?
1: I would do everything in my power to increase funding from private donors. That would be my number one thing. Number two, I would do everything in my power to – try to clean up the image of Utah State and Utah State Athletics with regards to the the assault situations that have happened because yeah. there have been numerous of them and the school has a little bit of a reputation. And the third thing I would do is I would, oh, man, I would just try to put winning teams on the fields and <laughs> in the courts. Okay. We'd be competitive, we'd be rich, and we'd stay out of the news for bad reasons.
0: Okay. All right, my I, mine are a little more pie in the sky because I, I like to be very like I know this isn't realistic, right? But like, my first priority, right? Figuring out how to either remodel or build a new basketball arena. I love the Spectrum. Whoa, Don't get me wrong. Whoa, so much, whoa, so much whoa, history there. Whoa, whoa, right? whoa, whoa! Are, what are you insinuating? You know what I'm insinuating, right? I'm a big guy, right? Like I, like I, and I love Utah State basketball, but I'm not going to go into the spec. Like dude, those seats, they're not comfortable. Uh the concession stand lines so long. It's it's kind of, you know, it's just, it's time for a new generation of Aggie hoops in a new place and um that would be my priority one is, is securing where that that would be and and the funding for that.
1: The Spectrum was never supposed to be comfortable. <laughs> do you think the Spectrum's comfortable for opposing teams that come in? Well, n- yeah. Why is it got to be comfortable I, I, for the fans?
0: Because how do you get the big bucks, you know? I want I want to see the Spectrum sold out every game. Uh ah, so. it's not. Nah. And I'm just saying, if I can sit on my lazy boy at home, on the recliner, put my feet up and have a, you know, 200 times better experience in my house listening to Scotty G or whoever is on the call, I'm going to do that. But, you know, if I can get a nice seat and, and get some good food and have a good time with my kids or something, I'm going to, I'll opt for that in-person experience because it's always better in person. But counterpoint
1: right now. On Monday, you can go, you can get a J Dog. You can sit down that is on true. a bougie off brand orange colored. That's not
0: bougie, man. That is metal. And you can
1: have <laughs> you can have a good view of the court from anywhere in that arena.
0: Except the, the, you the, know, the, the leg room. And, the leg
1: room uh, might be like you're flying on Spirit Airlines. I will admit that. Sure. I will acknowledge that. But the the atmosphere, the tradition, it's to par with with Delta. With flying Delta out of Salt Lake, sure that that would be the comparison. The enjoyment level of going to a game of the Spectrum is like going to the Salt Lake Airport and but not you, having to walk to the keep second that terminal.
0: Environment with a renovation or with a new new stadium, it's not going to change. You know the the fanatics that support the Aggie basketball teams. You know, it's but it is what it what what it would do is give places for donors for big boosters to sit and have comfortable experiences with suites and things like that. And you know, give your your middle class family, uh, you know, a nice comfortable spot to enjoy basketball again. You know, I think because the are... student section, whatever, there shouldn't even be seats in the student section. Like, I don't care. Like, that's fine. You know, but I think as a generation, we're getting too soft. Are we, are we? Yeah. Okay.
1: You know, the Spectrum was built in the 1960s, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. And they packed that place all the time, and they still they, they're capable of packing it. Not consistently, but it gets packed. Yeah. It can sell out or near sell out a couple times a season, right? This, on, on a nice February Saturday afternoon when a marquee opponent comes to town. Mm-hmm. It can fill up. Students still support. But in the 90s, when Utah State was making all these NIT runs and before Morrill got there, were there people clamoring for a brand new arena? Well, I was only 20 years old then, though. And, uh, like, Were people complaining about legroom then? They were just enjoying being somewhere warm in the winter with heat and watching a quality product on the court, and that's what the Spectrum Magic's all about. You I don't, you don't know, need to change I, that. You don't need to change. I disagree.
0: That. I disagree. But right. that, that's priority right, one. All right, that's all right. priority. All right. one. What's okay. priority two? Um, I you've heard clamorings uh, of a you know a possible new new baseball stadium in Cache Valley? Have you? Um, in the Pioneer League. Yes. Yes. Kay. There,
1: there is sort of some some development in the works to sure. potentially not confirm maybe anything, make that happen.
0: Man. But what I would do is immediately announce a USU commitment to join that project and play some USU baseball. So you would want to establish
1: Division One baseball, yeah, at the university.
0: Yeah, like like I said, money. I'm I'm not thinking about the money. we'll, we'll figure it out. You know, I'll hire the best fundraiser. That's not that's not my priority here. What I'm talking about is, is we'll creating... build a brand new arena. <laughs> we'll we'll add new Division yeah, One. I, I told you this was program. I caveated this, but. Um, Baseball huge in Cache Valley. You know there, there's there's great traveling teams. There, there's you know a big youth, youth push for the high school teams are really into in the baseball, and so I uh, you know there's the love for it here in Cache Valley, and we just we just need to get to that Division One level. So, obviously it's going to take you know adding some some women's programs to offset the scholarship and What's, the cost. What uh, what programs are we adding? Women's, uh, women's golf is an easy one. And I'm thinking women's bowling. People don't hear about this all the time, but it's a D1 sport sanctioned by the NCAA. Mm-hmm. It sure is.
1: Yo, they could create a little juggernaut down at Cash Valley Fun Center.
0: Dang right. Except actually, I think that you know, I, with my AD sway, I would say let's let's add the bowling alley back to the TSC. Oh yes. Play there. Okay but...
1: now now you're talking. <laughs> let's tear out the Taco Time. Yeah. Tear out whatever else. Who knows what else is in that food court. <laughs> But the subway. The,
0: okay, sure. Well, people like the subway, though. <laughs> anyway. All right, keep
1: the subway. Okay. Build around the subway.
0: Build, yeah, just like in the middle of the lanes. Is that right? Yeah. Okay.
1: But, yeah, that, I don't know if people listening right now realize there used to be a bowling alley yeah. in, on the bottom floor of the TSC. There used TSC. to be a
0: smoking lounge in the TSC if you knew that, too. But... For real, for real. Yeah, for real. Oh, man. So uh, maybe we we ought to go back in time in the yeah, TSC.
1: Maybe or... so. Yeah, back then they weren't complaining <laughs> about the spectrum. No. Um, okay, so I. What about what about this? What if they added women's rowing?
0: Where would they row?
1: They would row at the the Benson Marina.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, or you could switch women's it up. Women's rowing.
1: You could row down at the Hiram Hiram Dam Reservoir thing. I Porcupine. Wonder,
0: uh is there any rowing crew besides like Stanford west of the Mississippi? Um.
1: That. <laughs> that that was a very disrespectful <laughs> thing to say to the most successful rowing program in Division One history. Really? Who? The University of Washington Huskies. Okay. Well, have, have you not, they're on the Puget Have side, you not read Boys in the Boat? I haven't. So I when I first got to the university back pre-Del Taco, before the Del Taco was built in Logan, my first year here for Freshman in Connections, yeah. we had to read a book called Boys in the Boat. It is my favorite yeah. book of all time. And the boys in the boat is about a rowing team from the University of Washington in the 1930s. That not only do they rally to take down all the to Cal and Stanford were their main rivals. Not only do they beat them, they go and they take down the Ivy League schools out east, and then they qualify. They represent USA in the Olympics, and they go to Germany and they take down Nazi Germany and they take down some and they they win gold in the Olympics. Wow! Just a my boy Joe, and the gang from Washington Rowing. So, Respect. Respect. I've been to the University of Washington. There's a whole museum about it. You should go. It's excellent. All right. So I think that some of that culture needs to be sprinkled in the Utah State via okay. a women's rowing team.
0: I'll keep it under consideration. Women's okay. rowing. Okay. okay. All right. Do you want to hear priority three, my last one? Yeah, sure. Got to spruce up some of these Aggie jerseys. Like, I know you don't like pewter, right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Pewter, <laughs> Too pewter, is the best color, man. I'm just, saying, it is the best color that we wear. The unis look so clean. Did you not see, you know, freaking Sean Berstow Duncan on Portland State in the pewter? It's the cleanest thing I've seen. That needs to, you know, that photo needs to get hung up in the Louvre. In the beautiful, Louvre? yeah. In the Louvre. Of oh,
1: Sean Berstow. Yeah. In pewter. And it is Duncan. his
0: Aussie haircut, and he's just. Demolishing a poor little Viking from Portland State. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: because Sean Barista is a good dunker, we need to bring back Pewter.
0: Well, not just that, but um, yeah, Pewter's good. It's not just Pewter, but I want to, you know, I want to add in the bold logo a little bit more. I want to add in mountains. I want to have more retro and Spectrum Magic themed things. I get it's expensive. I get it's hard to work with Nike, but you know the the merch here at USU is a little lacking sometimes. And you know, I think if we we take on some more fun and unique jerseys. They'll sell, and they'll be great. Somebody hasn't
1: been to the the Macy's in Providence that sells U.S. U. Gear and it shows. I
0: haven't been to the the Macy's in Providence.
1: Uh, you know the the brand Aggie gear they got there, mm. all cotton stuff. It's fantastic.
0: All right, I'll, I'll have to check it out. But um,
1: to your point, though, mm-hmm. how cool would a Spectrum Magic themed Uniform be for men's basketball and women's be basketball because the the gymnastics they had have one it it's so year, cool. and it is amazing yeah yeah they gotta they gotta get that little element in there
0: mm-hmm. I want and I want throwbacks with the asymmetric U and the state in it I know not everybody loves that but it's classic man classic Come on. and then just makes
1: you think of Chucky Keaton and sure. J C Carroll mm-hmm. and then even know, though even, Chucky Keaton was mostly played during the modern yeah he was there but, at
0: the turnover right so. Yeah. And then, you know, even just I I know I don't love the huge like cartoony bowl, that's not my favorite. But, you know, even we could throw back some of those. So I just you know, we have some great old logos, you know, the the outline of Utah with the dot and logan, that's a great one too. That's a good so, one. So you know, just using some of our retro stuff, getting some more themes and, and not just in, you know, in, in men's basketball and, and football and whatever. Uh, you know, throughout all the programs, like, uh that'd be great. And you know they they do it a little bit. They got some you know pink ones for like breast cancer awareness. They got some patriotic ones. Awesome. Let's do more of it. Like uh, they look great and players get excited. Um, we're gonna steer clear of black though. Obvious reasons there. So,
1: so I like the black uniforms. No, but I just, they're jinxed, man. What well, are you talking about? I, I mean, yeah, sure. There've been unfortunate yeah, sure. results what do do? <laughs> on the field and court wearing black uniforms, but objectively. They're really cool looking.
0: They do look nice, so I'll tell you
1: that. That Utah State St. Mary's game last year with the with the blackout. <laughs>
0: do not even be talking about that, that with, game with was, any
1: fondness. That game was disappointing because um the refs made some interesting calls at the end and it did not fall the Aggie's way. <laughs> but if they did not look fire in those uniforms.
0: Okay. Yeah, they did. They did. I, I like the black. Okay.
1: And I I'm superstitious about some things. You know? Um If I'm wearing the wrong Texas Rangers jersey when they're playing the Astros, (laughs) it's not going to go my way. Yeah, Actually, it doesn't matter. They always lose to the Astros anyways. (laughs) But I don't think that uniforms and performance correlate as much as we think they do. Fair enough. So keep the black.
0: All right. Okay. Well, those are my three priorities. Heard your three priorities. They're a little more realistic. I'll, I'll give you that. But I think mine are a little more fun. Add some flash to the USU program. So. Yeah, well, you know, I know, I know, uh, Jerry's listening. I know Noel's listening. So those are kind of my ideas. Um, like, like, like Jacob, I might need to just withdraw my application right now. I just can't. Well, I haven't even applied. You know, they've just been reaching out. But I, you know, like I said, I, I need to graduate first. You know, at least to even consider it. So, you know, uh, do your national search, find the best candidate. But yeah, we'll be right back after a quick break. We're gonna talk hoops. They get their first official game on Monday talk some USU women's and men's basketball, and then we'll preview New Mexico pretty briefly. Stick around here on Aggie Radio. Hey, this is Maggie from the Mosaic Podcast, and you're listening to Aggie Radio, 92.3 KBLULP, Logan.
1: utah state football is brought to you by aggie radio 92.3 kblu and zions bank more information about banking services is available at zionsbank.com
2: holiday inn express and suites underwrites this program on 92.3 located on main street in north logan just minutes away from utah state university Holiday Inn Express and Suites, 435-752-3444 or hiexpress.com.
0: Aggie Radio
2: 92.3 KBLU is brought to you in part by Farm Bureau Financial Services. Farm Bureau Financial Services can help you bundle your car and home together in a single policy. More information is available at fbfs.com.
0: Jake Ellis, Jacob Nielsen, you're listening to the Aggie Radio Sports Show, Aggie Radio 92.3, KBLULP, Logan. It's presented by the Utah Statesman, of course, and I had some time to talk with RJ Idlerock uh, last week. I asked him if he didn't play basketball, what USU sport he would play, so here's what he said. the men's soccer team, so I always have to say football, American football, yeah. What position? Quarterback. I just want to throw dimes. That's it. I'm not trying to get hit, so they better protect me. So you know we have Cooper Lagat coming back, but what do you think, RJ? You think he he could be a an Aggie quarterback?
1: That was a plot twist. (laughs) He said, "Football." Yeah. And I thought he was just saying that the dude's from Britain. Mm -hmm. He's from London. Thought I was just talking about soccer, and then he said, "No, American football. I want to be a quarterback." I think he'd do terrible. I, well, look it's, at that
0: smile, though. No, 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 no.
1: No, that's a little harsh on RJ. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I don't know why I said that. I'm sorry, RJ. I, I'd give you I'd give you a chance at quarterback. Um, I, he just, he said he didn't want to get hit, though. Yeah, I know. And just the nature of, of football, you know, you got to, even if you're the quarterback, you got to embrace contact, right? You want to avoid contact. You want your line to protect you. But if you're afraid to get hit, then you're going in ready to fail. So that, that was my initial takeaway was a little bit maybe too critical of RJ there. But I don't know. If, it, if he doesn't want to get hit, maybe American football wouldn't be his sport.
0: Well, you know what is his sport, though? Basketball. So he gets his first game of the season, November 7th, Monday night, in the Spectrum against Utah Valley. And what, what are you thinking about that game?
1: So I think this game is uh, a little bit underrated. I think that Utah Valley has a good team. You know, they got um, a decent transfer in from Kansas City or something. From I I just know they lost a the guy to Kentucky, but they bring in some quality, and it's a program that's always competitive, right? Especially within state games. Yeah. And similar to Utah State, Utah Valley has a little bit of chip on their shoulder. They don't have the, the fan base and the football team and – the ice cream that Utah State does, but you know, they've had a decent basketball team in the past couple of years. Utah State doesn't play them every year, they've played in before and they've never lost to Utah Valley. But it's this is the one well, they play there's two in state games this year for Utah State, yeah. the Weber State game and the Utah Valley game, right? Both of them well, are Utah home. Tech, too, right? Oh, they or play Utah Tech women's. as well.
0: That might be women's. Hold on, give me a second,
1: but. You don't. No, they they do play Utah. Okay, State. okay, so they play they play some of the smaller schools
0: and Westminster. So okay, four, Oh wow, four. okay, i it's completely <laughs> off base,
1: but they they don't play Brigham Young and they don't play the University of Utah. Yeah, and so Utah Valley is a team that can compete and playing their best basketball. If the Aggies aren't ready to go, they could uh, they could get upset. They, I mean, we saw it last year yeah. against UC Davis. UC mm-hmm. Davis came in, the Aggies of. Davis, California. Northern California Valley is
0: way better than UC yeah. Davis. Yeah. So,
1: so. Yeah, so no, this is a big game from the get-go from Utah State. I don't know because it's at home and just metrics-wise, I don't think it's going to have any implication for if they win, it could be a quad two win or anything no. like that. But in terms of a competitive opponent to throw you into the season, it's a rivalry and it's uh it's going to be a game that the Aggies got to bring it to.
0: Yeah, I think it's one that has the potential to get the spectrum rocking. So we'll see what happens there. And then of course Friday, November eleventh, they'll get their second game against Bradley at seven PM. And any thoughts on that one so far? Or Uh, do we just need to see what happens? Do you know do
1: you know where the University of Bradley is located?
0: I wanna say the Northeast.
1: The Northeast? That is a very good guess. I actually don't know, but my guess is (laughs) my guess is Tennessee.
0: (laughs) Why are you asking the question, dude? Well, because I,
1: I'm i just curious. <laughs> My guess is Tennessee. Okay. We were both wrong. Oh. It's a, it's a suburban – it looks like suburban Chicago. It's in okay. Peoria. Uh,
0: Midwest, northeast. We, we, we were kind of – From a west coast guy, that's pretty much the same area.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Bradley University comes in on Friday. So, yeah, a lot of uh, – we've alluded to this before, but a lot of – it's all mid-majors or low-majors on the schedule. There's yeah. no power five teams. There are some quality mid-major programs on the schedule, including San Francisco. The Dons. They play, like, half the West Coast Conference in the non-conference.
0: Yeah, and I asked uh, I asked Odom about that. <laughs> and, yeah, he just said, uh, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a bit of, um, you know, convenience, scheduling, things like that. You know, they're closer, um, and, and they're, the schools that were able to match up with the Aggies' schedule wise But there's also some, you know, these are good programs. These are going to challenge the Aggies and give them, you know, challenges to prepare for conference play. So,
1: Yeah, in a lot of ways, the schedule, it doesn't have the same flashiness of you're not in a tournament where you're playing like LSU in Florida. Or you Oklahoma. Or Oklahoma. You don't get the BYU game, no neutral sites against Mississippi State or anything. But what you do have is you have a non-conference that is similar to the conference schedule. That was kind of my thought, is when you, you play Loyola Marymount, you play Utah Valley, you play Santa Clara, and you play Oral Roberts, which is a decent mid-major program. These are not teams that, aside from maybe the San Francisco game, there's not going to be a ton of quad one opportunities, but there's going to be some quad two games with a lot of quality quad three games sprinkled in. And what it's going to do is it's going to get the team battle tested and ready for conference play. Because last year, they had a really tough non-conference schedule won some big games beat richmond beat oklahoma but i don't know if they were prepared to enter conference play the way they needed to be
0: mountain west basketball is different than a lot of the country
1: it's it's officiated differently it's chippier all the teams are really good but also all the coaches are really well acquainted with each other Mm -hmm. so the teams prepare so well for each other there's no there's no surprises you're not gonna catch anyone off guard in the mountain West. So every single game, and we saw this last year with how many close games the Aggies were in and a lot of them, they ultimately lost, but every game is a battle in conference play. And so they're creating a, a balanced non-conference schedule. That is a lot of good opponents, not a, not a ton of great opponents, but a lot of good opponents instead of a few great and a lot of bad. It's just a lot of good across the board.
0: Yeah. So it, it should make a pretty entertaining schedule too. uh, you know, they're, they're, you're not gonna have any uh, Portland State esque, New Orleans esque games where you're able to turn off the TV after a while, if you uh, you know aren't diehard into the game. So.
1: Well, I, Jacob Ellis, I thought I thought you were dialed in on the the Portland State game last year. I,
0: I, yeah, it was a great game. It, it was the, it was played on my birthday actually. If you really? Didn't know
1: that, yeah. Oh, so the Aggies wore pewter on your birthday.
0: I, yeah, that, it was a little present. I asked Coach Odom actually personally.
1: That that's really sweet of him <laughs> to to do that for you. Um, no, you're right. I mean, they play. They, there's really no game that it's like, man, like the the worst teams they're going to face are Bradley, I would say, and Utah Tech. But still, the worst opponent is still an in-state opponent, and so that adds at least a little bit of intrigue. Uh, I take that back. Westminster's a Division II school. Yeah. And they will play them. That'll be the one of the last games before um, Christmas break for mm-hmm. the students. But no, gonna be gonna be interesting. It, it's a little bit disappointing. I think that the they play in the Hawaii Airlines Diamond Head Classic. That's going to go over Christmas. I don't really want to be covering a basketball game on Christmas, personally.
0: I mean, I love college basketball. And maybe you know the first one or two will be fun, but that one on Christmas will be a little rough.
1: Do you know when I love college basketball? Most times of the year. But the best time for college basketball is at like 9 p.m. on a Tuesday night when it's 12 degrees outside and everyone's depressed. And it's like, all right, here we go. Utah State against Colorado State. That is like, that is a golden hour for college basketball. Christmas time? Yeah. (laughs) I, I can take it or leave it. But. Once you get into the dog days of winter, college basketball, you know it delivers. And you know this is a conversation I have all the time. When we're non-skiers in a cold weather place, we we got to be basketball junkies. It's if you don't if you don't ski or snowboard, or do some outdoor recreation in the snow, or you don't care about basketball, what do you do in the winter in Utah? Absolutely, it's a desolate place. But (laughs) when you got when you got the Jazz, the Miracle Jazz. Mm -hmm. And Lori now, and now you got some USU hoops to you know keep you busy throughout the winter. It'll it'll get you through till the spring.
0: Yeah. All right, let's switch gears. We're running out of time. Let's talk about women's basketball. Both of their games going to be double headers with the men's team um, this week, so that'll be exciting. Uh, hopefully, they can you know capitalize on that, draw draw some more crowd there. And we kind of talked about these a little bit already. College of Idaho, the first game on Monday. At three, and then same time, southeastern Louisiana on Friday. That one, of course, Kayla Ards alma mater coming into town. Um, what do you see from those two games?
1: I mean, they're two games that should be winnable, yeah. and this is a team that has such an such roster turnover that it's good that they are settling into the schedule. The exhibition against Fort Lewis that was a great opportunity, and you know they really get they'll be challenged by they could be challenged by any of these teams southeast louisiana challenged them last year but to have some games against college of idaho is not a division one team right so to start out with that one and then with the southeastern louisiana at home i it's a good thing it's a good thing to start slow i'd be more concerned with them starting against a marquee in-state opponent like the men's team's doing
0: yeah no for sure and um you know, they they looked super good. Obviously, Fort Coll, you know, they're, uh, Fort Lewis. I believe they're an NAIA school, but um, you know, they they looked good, uh, and there was some some great numbers, some great stats put up. So, I'm hoping that's a confidence game, and then, like you said, they'll kind of continue to build that.
1: One note from from the game against Fort Lewis College. I don't have the stats in front of me. Mm-hmm. I know that they did not shoot very well from beyond the three point line. Let's pull it up. Um, so that's that's something that I mean, first game of the season. Not, I mean, it doesn't even count. Like you know not going to be your greatest shooting day, but against a, a junior college or Division two program, whatever Fort Lewis is, you'd want to be able to make your open jumpers. And they, they didn't totally do that to the rate that we were hoping they would because this is a team that we think is going to be a decent shooting team. That's a yeah. goal of theirs, at least.
0: So 23% from beyond the arc. Um, so
1: Yeah, 23%. What what was the total? How many Seven did they Seven
0: made on 30 shots. Yeah, that's a big sample size, so.
1: Yeah, when you're playing a, a non-division one team and you hoist up 33 pointers, you got to make more than seven of them.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Let's go ahead and uh, dial back in for football. Here we have a uh, Blake Anderson describing what's up for stakes here in this game.
2: As we we are fighting desperately to be bowl eligible, fighting to stay in the race, whatever that looks like, and it's proven to be chaotic. Uh, but um, but this, this is a big game. This is a must win for us. It's what we we talked about in the meeting room. It's a must win. It's the next step to get closer to bowl eligibility, closer to a winning season, and stay, uh, you know, in, in the race. And so I think our kids have taken a, a great approach. We had a we had an eight period practice last night, uh, which is not something we always get to do. But coming out of an open week, we did, and it was it was phenomenal. Great energy, guys went at it. Uh, we we went from watching the uh, soccer.
0: And you heard the rest of that quote already. They they watched the the end of the soccer game, but um like you said this this the stakes are there. This is for bowl eligibility. You got to win 3 of your final 4. And you know, maybe you get some help. Uh it's going to be tough uh to get Wyoming to lose twice based on the schedule they have coming up, but uh either way, it uh it, it's an important game to to get that to that bowl. So, what do you what do you see coming into New Mexico?
1: Jay, can I, can I speak bluntly? Sure. I'm not really that excited for this game. Okay. Because New Mexico is a terrible football team.
0: <laughs> you don't love watching the triple option?
1: Yeah, that that, that was crazy to me. I didn't realize that, that. I haven't watched a lot of New Mexico this year, obviously, but they try to run the triple option like Air Force. Do not do it nearly as effectively as Air Force does. Um, and they've really, really struggled this year. You know, there's some not great teams in the league. Colorado State and Nevada, but then you got a New Mexico team that hasn't really been competitive in any game this year against an FBS opponent. And I mean, with the Aggies, you never know. Maybe that could be different. Um, but they just got hammered last week, forty-one and nine, by Fresno State. They lost to New Mexico State by double digits. I mean, it's this is a team that. I don't think is very good at football, and you could argue that maybe Utah State isn't having the best season either. But New Mexico is just on another playing field, so it's an important game in terms of Utah State climbing its way back to five hundred and trying to reach a bowl game. But in terms of, oh man, this is going to be a battle on Saturday. I don't really buy into that, but maybe I'm over. Maybe I'm overvaluing Utah State still.
0: Um, I no, I and I don't think it's a uh, like you said. I don't think it's going to be. Uh a hard match because uh you know on paper it is a utah state it should be a utah state easy win but i think this is where they're going to show if if they're if they're still buying in for the rest of the season if they haven't given up you know so this is where that gets established that's what i'm looking forward to from this game to to see uh what the aggies can do they have a lot of people coming back from injury supposedly pretty much everyone should be back except um haven't heard updates on Ajani Carter, and he was going to be a multiple-week thing. I believe thing.
1: Ajani Carter is out for the season.
0: Okay, that's what I was going to assume, but we hadn't heard that officially. Um, and then MJ Tafisi on Monday said it was day-to-day. We'll see what happens there, but Byron Vaughn should be back. Um, and, you know, Cooper Legault, of course, is going to be starting in this one. So Yeah.
1: No, and Jake, to your point, that or excellent point, you're saying this is, this game is more about Utah State than it is about New Mexico. Yeah. Um. And with everything that's happened, you lose to Wyoming and that all but eliminates you. I, I know there's a sliver of a chance, but it all mm-hmm. but eliminates your chances of winning the Mountain Division and then the lawsuit and then the AD resigns, right? So you have a flurry of those three things along with all the injuries. Would the, could, could the team just give up and be like, ah, they just not have. our year? They, they really can. I don't think they will. I don't think they will. But we're, but but we're going to see on Saturday what fight this team does have. I believe that they do have fight. But we're gonna see if that's true or not. They're gonna put it to the test, and yeah, it'll be great for the offense to have Cooper Lagaw back. He practiced yesterday. Um, he'll it's he, it's a different team. It's a different offense when Lagaw's in. You know, he just is so mobile, a good enough passer, just makes good decisions, and really just keeps the defense on the heels. So I, I'm excited to see him back and see if he can pick up where he left off prior to his concussion.
0: Awesome! Super exciting. Um... Like like we said, uh, all the games we've been talking about in this this final segment, the football game on Saturday and then the basketball games on Monday and next Friday, all going to be on Aggie Radio. So make sure you tune in there. So, women's basketball, uh, Aggie Radio is the exclu- exclusive home of women's basketball. So tune in. Don't even change your dial. No. You just, you you just keep just it leave here. It on. Yeah. Just keep it here. For sure. Uh, any any final thoughts, Jacob? No, I, I think that, uh, that about does it. All right. Does it. <laughs> Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. This has been the Aggie Radio Sports Show, 92.3 KBLU LP Logan, of course, presented by the Utah States. And I'm Jake Ellis for Jacob Nielsen signing off. Have a great night and, you know, look forward to hoop season coming up right here soon. Aggie Radio is brought to you by USU Student Media.
1: Student Media is an organization in the Student Involvement and Leadership Center that allows students to hone their skills in the professional world. Positions like sales, writers, photographers, and many more are available. Go to usustudentmedia.usu.edu to learn how you can get involved. Once again, that's usustudentmedia.usu.edu.